Hello and welcome to the first episode of Ashurst's new podcast channel, Ashurst Legal Outlook. Ashurst Legal Outlook will keep you across the global trends and local issues that are shaping the legal landscape and impacting organisations. We'll offer unique perspectives on the most pressing legal matters impacting banks and funds, the digital economy, energy and resources, infrastructure, real estate and more. This episode is the first in a series dedicated to artificial intelligence. This series will explore what AI is, its strengths and weaknesses, ethical considerations, AI's relationship with intellectual property, as well as the future of AI in legal services. You will hear global perspectives along with local Australian regulatory examples as we explore and unlock the mysteries of AI and its legal and business implications. So join me, Nina Fitzgerald, IP and media partner at Ashurst, as we speak to Tay Royal, head of digital products APAC from Ashurst Advanced Digital about how AI works and how to break it. You are listening to Ashurst Legal Outlook. Hello and welcome Tay. It would be remiss of me in our first episode if I didn't ask you to explain what AI is and what AI we'll be talking about in the series. Thanks Nina. Uh, when we look at this subject, it's really important to understand what AI is and how it works in order to understand how it impacts on people. And I'm going to draw on a quote from a digital evangelist called Alan Lepovsky. And this is something he tweeted a while ago. And he said, not all automation is AI. Not all workflow is AI. Not all chatbots are AI. For something to be artificial intelligence, it has to learn and improve over time by training. This is a really important concept, this concept that it's continuously improving and learning from inputs that it receives from us as humans or from its environment. That's what makes it so incredibly powerful. So you're really there talking about the idea of machine learning and ability of AI systems to train themselves. It sounds a little bit about like what we've seen in movies of the past and that doesn't always end up well for the human race. But let's dig a bit more into how exactly does a computer learn? A computer learns by being taught how to recognize patterns. If you take, for example, a dog, you take an image of a dog, which, which is something a computer can process. If you look at that image, you can see that the dog has a nose and it has eyes and it has ears. And these, the nose, the eyes and the ears, they're all arranged in certain proportions from each other. And by and large, for most dog species, they're all located in roughly the same position. So what a computer can do is it can process that image and it can identify the location of each of these items it can measure the ratios of distance between these items. And behind all that, it can construct a mathematical model that shows the relationships and spatial orientation of, of these items. And having built that mathematical model, it can apply that mathematical model to another image and decide whether or not that mathematical model fits the other image. Then what we can do is we can take the same approach and we can create a mathematical model of images of cats and we can teach the computer 
to understand what a cat looks like. Importantly, a computer has no meaningful understanding of what a cat is or what it represents. All it has is a mathematical model that it can match. And it can say that this mathematical model fits the image of a cat 82 per, on an 82% basis. So we're 82% confident that this is a cat. We can also take that mathematical model and apply it to an image of a dog and say, this model matches the image of a dog 91%. Therefore, we're 91% confident that this is an image of a dog. Now, relevantly, one of the key limitations of an AI model is it can only recognize things it's been trained on. So if you were then to present to the computer a picture of an elephant, it would only be able to measure against dogs or cats. And it might give you an answer, well, I'm 40% confident this is a cat and only 10% confident that I'm a dog. But it's completely wrong on both counts. So we can, we can teach computers to learn, but we always have to bear in mind that they don't understand. And they can only draw on by reference to what they've been shown what went before. Now, we, you can take that approach and you can also apply it to legal language, meaning you can teach computers to recognize legal language. We're incredibly fortunate in the sense that legal language is highly stylistic. It's quite rigid in its form and lawyers love to follow precedent. This is wonderful because computers also love to follow precedent. Lawyers a bit like computers like that, but let's just park that for the moment. If you take something like a governing law clause, it has a very formal structure and lawyers from just about, from, from most common law jurisdictions would instantly recognize a governing law clause when presented in a contract. Likewise, you can train a computer to, to create a mathematical model that will represent a governing law clause and can recognize that language. That's where we get natural language processing from, is building these beautiful mathematical models that can run through language and extract the underlying patterns from it. Again, the same weaknesses apply though that we had with the pictures of the cats and the dogs. If you only train your machine to recognize governing law clauses, then it won't recognize a change of control clause. And it's an important limitation to bear in mind as we move through these series is to understand that when you're working with artificial intelligence, it can only work with what you've already trained it on. I don't think I've ever heard the words beautiful and maths used so closely together in the same sentence, but I certainly can appreciate how you know the ability to analyze data and then come up with a mathematical model is truly quite remarkable. But let's delve a bit more into the advantages of AI. I mean, obviously efficiency is the number one way it's used at the moment, but what are some of the other advantages that we're seeing? Artificial intelligence machine learning is incredibly powerful when it's used at scale. So if you run a large supermarket and you need to move products onto shelves, or you are a banker and you need to make 
thousands of decisions about consumer loans, or you're an M&A lawyer that needs to review large portfolios of documents, or you're a litigator that needs to find the smoking gun in uh, a vast trove of email correspondence, you need to make thousands, tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of decisions. And you have a legitimate interest in making those decisions as fast as possible, as cost-effectively as possible, and in the shortest possible time. And computers are of enormous assistance in helping you deliver against this task. Can you give us an example of that? To give a simple example, we were acting for the developer of a large project a few months back, and we needed to review 6,500 documents, which were submissions regarding development of the project, of which a large proportion of many of those submissions were based on a form document produced by a third party. Overnight, we were able to parse those submissions to extract the form content and separate out the unique content which needed to be specifically addressed for each person who was providing a submission in relation to this matter. And this is something that we were able to do overnight while the lawyers were sleeping. One of the great challenges that lawyers have is they have to cover great amounts of distance in a limited time. A lot of, there's a lot of very large, fast-moving transactions that require a lot of consideration, particularly with due diligence. I can remember uh, one morning waking up lying on a couch and I had a yellow stripe down the page in front of me where the highlighter had fallen from my grasp and striped down the page. And under those circumstances, humans, when they're working late at night, their accuracy rate falls. But if we're using something like artificial intelligence, we always get a very consistent result. We largely know what we're going to get. So we can assure ourselves, for example, in this particular project that I'm referring to, where we were able to hit accuracy rates of 96%. And when you start to get above 96, 98%, you're actually starting to exceed levels of human accuracy, particularly where you're dealing with thousands or tens of thousands of documents. And, and we can show that artificial intelligence can actually be more accurate than humans in appropriate use cases, as well as being faster and cheaper. So it's an incredibly useful tool, so long as you keep in mind some of the limitations. I too recall many late nights conducting document review in huge discovery exercises, and I'm sure every lawyer would welcome the opportunity to use technology to minimize the amount of time spent doing those types of activities. But I, there is also a, a real genuine fear, not only amongst lawyers, but in the community generally, that AI is going to replace us and we might lose our jobs. Is this our greatest concern? I, I don't think we should worry too much about computers taking our jobs per se, because the way technology works is it destroys some old roles, but it also creates new roles. For example, when you create these systems, 
you need people that are going to train the systems, who are going to support the systems, who are going to manage the systems, and who are going to supervise the systems. And the amount of work actually carried out by the systems is a relatively small slice of the total work to be done. In many ways, I think it, there's the opportunity to improve the lives of lawyers. I can remember back as one of my first jobs as a junior lawyer, I was working on Bay Street in Canada, and we were served with a document production notice in relation to the distribution of movies in Canada. Uh, we were acting for a movie distribution entity, which effectively meant we had to produce every single document that that business had created over the previous five years. We spent five months packing 200 file boxes with an average of 2,000 sheets of paper, in total something like 200,000 pages for this production. And as lawyers, we weren't really learning anything at the time. It was just a very much a repetitive and mind-numbing task. This Nowadays, we would use e-discovery software, technology-assisted review in order to carry out this work. And I would like to think that that constitutes a significant quality of life improvement for lawyers. Furthermore, it's been some time since I've actually had to handle carbon paper myself. The flip side of that, though, is there are real challenges with artificial intelligence and how it's being used. And I think we need to address those issues squarely. Some of it is due to a misunderstanding of how artificial intelligence works and its limitations. I've mentioned the limitations around if you don't provide it with the right training material. There's also mathematical limitations. These are mathematical models. These are statistical models. And the same sort of problems that you see in statistics also pops up in machine learning. We know that humans regularly make mistakes, even though we like to think that we don't. Does AI also make mistakes? Yeah, it's really important to recognize that when you're working with statistical models and when you're working with probability, you can get really high accuracy rates. Uh, we can get accuracy rates in, well into the 90s. But the flip side of that is that you also make mistakes. When you have a 92% accuracy rate, it means that it is statistically inevitable that you will make 8% of your answers will be wrong. And when and we as lawyers really struggle with that because we like to think that all of our answers are right all of the time. However, that's actually not always necessary in all use cases. I'd like to give the example of a contested bid we were working on where we we're working under incredible time pressure and we had to review 2,000 leases in a week. Uh, it was taking people about two hours per lease to review them, about 4,000 hours in total. What this meant was in a traditional scenario, 4,000 hours is a couple years worth of work for an individual. 
And you just can't compress that into a one week period. So what we would normally do is we take, undertake a sampling exercise and review leases which were either representative of the total portfolio or alternatively, we would pick out uh, the key most important leases and review those. By using artificial intelligence, you can actually review the entirety of that lease portfolio. However, you might only be 92% accurate. You will in statistically inevitably make a number of mistakes along the way. Because of the time pressures on that particular matter, a decision was made in consultation with the client that there would be no human review layer that sit, would sit above that work. And this is actually the first example of work product produced by Ashurst, where the final work product was produced entirely by machine without any human supervision. That's really interesting, Tay. And I know that you're going to touch more on the ethics of AI in episode two of this podcast series. So I won't ask you for more details in that regard, but it seems like something we need to be really conscious of. And it's heartening to hear that humans will still have a role in making key decisions or should still have a role, even if there is some trust that the AI system can make the decision itself. But I really want to get to the title of this episode. There's a reference to Chihuahuas and Blueberry Muffins and I, I don't really know where you're going with this. And so I, I want to see how, how we get to this in the context of AI. Nina, I'd like to share with you a picture. This picture shows some of the real challenges faced by AI, particularly when presented with limited training data. So if you'll indulge me, please explain to me what you're seeing on the screen. Listeners can check out the show notes to the podcast for a link to the image that I'm looking at. Blueberry muffins and dogs. Yep, they look quite similar. <laughs> <laughs> so the third row, quickly, which one is it? Blueberry muffin, dog, blueberry muffin, dog. Bottom row, fast. Dog, blueberry muffin, dog, blueberry muffin. I think you've performed admirably well, Nina, <laughs> despite having been given little advanced training on this. You've shown just how adaptable humans can be in seeing the difference between blueberry muffins and chihuahuas. Very nice, Tay. So I guess it'd be really interesting to know then, how would an AI system look at these blueberry muffins and chihuahuas? Would they be able to tell the difference? Given sufficient and appropriate training, I would say that an AI system would ultimately be much faster and much more accurate than a human, but uh, it, it, it would take some time to get it right. I also think that this shows how AI can make incredibly glaring errors that humans themselves would re regard as ridiculous. When humans get things wrong, they often get things wrong by a matter of degree. They might mistake various breeds of dogs, uh, at a distance, for example, you might confuse one small animal for another. When computers get things wrong, they get things horribly wrong. A computer will mistake a banana for a jet airplane, or it will confuse a polar bear for a train. And 
these sorts of jarring errors are difficult for humans to understand because to a human, because a human inherently understands the nature of things, whereas a computer is just using mathematical models, it means that it can culturally be sometimes quite difficult to introduce artificial intelligence tools into a workplace. And it's something that we need to work on from a change management perspective, because team members might legitimately ask, how can it be that we can trust this tool to make the right decisions when it so obviously makes such wrong decisions, mistaking a chihuahua for a blueberry muffin? Really interesting. Thanks, Tay. And I think that's a great way to end our overview on how AI systems function and the intricacies of machine learning. I've, I've really learned a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Nina. It's been a lot of fun and I look forward to our future episodes. Thank you for listening. This was part one in our six-part series exploring AI with episodes released weekly. To hear more Ashurst podcasts, including our dedicated channel on all things ESG, please visit ashurst.com forward slash podcasts. To ensure you don't miss future episodes, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or your favourite podcast platform. While you are there, please feel free to keep the conversation going and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.